the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Studio A, he's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Andy Froyland. It's Lifeline, Truth For Today edition with your host, Pastor Phil Howard. Hi, I'm Andy Froyland. I like to moderate things around here and keep us on track so we can get in and out of commercials on time. And then, of course, you, uh, your earlobes, your 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 earballs. Uh, I hope that over the course of the next couple of hours, we can spend some time encouraging you uh, in this season of rejoicing over uh, uh, God contracting to a span incomprehensibly being made man. Yes, yes. And with that, I think we're going to start right in Hebrews, brother? Yes, I would like to, uh, <clears throat> at this time of the year, uh, we constantly have to separate uh, fact from fiction, and uh, we are hypnotized and bombarded by fiction. But <clears throat> when uh, the writer to Hebrews writes in chapter 2, let me read, uh, and then we'll... Uh, let the broadcast will pivot off of some of sure. these great verses. Yeah. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. Psalms 8. Why? What in the world? Why does omnipotence, omniscience, brilliance, uh, I mean, glory, God, want to do with man? That you got to change his diapers from a baby. Uh, you've got to get him in a home. He's a... He's not that impressive, except to himself. You made them a little lower, that is man, than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. But in putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them, but we do see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. 
He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not to angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make propitiation or atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And there's at least seven to eight different reasons why God Merry Christmas. should become man. <laughs> this is Merry This is the fact. This is historically true. And that's what we want to be pivoting off of this evening. And hopefully it will comfort your heart. You know, and and let's uh, I'll, I'll I'll fire this off, and I'll give you the first shot across the bow. As I'm listening to that, I'm thinking, okay, so if the main reason is to redeem us, why did he come as a baby? Why didn't he just come as a man? Why didn't he just show up? You know, boom, he's God. At, at the age of 33, hey, I'm here. Give me about six months to get situated. Okay, I'm going to the cross. Why a baby? Why do we start at the beginning? Why in poverty? Yeah, well, yeah. Why when? Uh, I mean, the calendar. Come on, God. Don't you know Rome is running Palestine at this time? Don't you know Herod set out a genocide program? Uh, you, you. I, I had c certain things. By him coming, he changed his dwelling place from heaven to earth. Mm -hmm. uh, he changed his possessions from riches to poverty. Uh, he went from glory to obscurity. Uh, he went from equality with God to servanthood. Yes. Uh, and from the form of God to the likeness of men. His brothers never did see a glow in the bedroom. No. Uh, when they shared. There was no halo. There was no halo. I mean, and I hear Isaiah, and I think he's describing his end. There was no beauty that we would desire him. Yeah. He grew up like a plant in dry ground. Why, God? Don't you haven't you had a planning course? Don't you know when the opportune and yet in the fullness of time God sent his son? It, it and why a child? It, you've got to answer that for me because I didn't think he had to stoop that low. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I, I was teaching our kids Sunday school this last Sunday. Most kids seem to think, because we've segregated and separated them from the main congregations, 
that, well, yeah, this Jesus stuff, that's for the adults. We just kind of hang out in, in Sunday school for a while until we grow up and then we make our decisions. And the fact is, Jesus started as a baby. Started as a baby. The next time we hear about him, he's 12. <laughs> he's got a mission, and it doesn't include just adults, but it includes all of our children. So for you listening tonight here on Lifeline, if you have children, know that what we are discussing tonight started with children. Right. Beautiful. There's a, there, there's a reason. Because every element in every step of our lives from beginning to end, Jesus had to experience all of that, right? If he's not to become our merciful high priest, doesn't he need to know that mercy? What it's like, what it's like to be helpless. Yeah. And I think the first big thing on the agenda when he came, he said, he, God took a form so that you could kill him. Yes. You know, oh. Nietzsche and these men, they put in Time magazine, the death of God. There was a sense at Calvary, a member of the Godhead was killed for three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you didn't reach the whole Trinity. You didn't reach the Father. <laughs> you didn't reach the Spirit. No. And the Son voluntarily. But to think that the mission to, for us to know God and to know that He knows our condition would be to die. It, a child, you've got to start as a child. Yeah. You've got to have real blood vessels. You've got to have nerve endings. You're going to have to be able to feel thorns, nails, and spit mm-hmm. because there will be no cheap way to bring the race back to me. No, there won't. And as, as a child, he needs to learn submission. As the writer of Hebrews tells us uh, in Luke, we're told that he he uh, submitted to his mother and father. What the God of this universe <laughs> really learned to obey, uh, learned obedience through suffering. Yes, that that is who our elder brother is. Mm. He would love us that deeply that he would submit and surrender himself to that kind of life. Mm. Mm. That's really just quite amazing. It and is I, amazing. And this, I, and we've got to take a break, but when we come back, maybe we can pick up where we're leaving off here because what, it's, what it does is it tells us that we cannot keep this non-offensive, non-combatant baby in the manger, which is where most in society want to keep him. Yes, or keep him on the cross. Or keep him on the cross. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. We do have to take a quick one, and we'll come back as Lifeline continues. And now from our Northern Command studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And we are back. It's our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard. Every fourth Friday, we get a chance to do this here on Lifeline. Thank you, Mr. Craig Roberts. Tons. We appreciate you more than yes, words can you, say. Craig. Thank you, Yeah, and, and Merry Christmas and fleas on your dog and all those other great things. <laughs> we left off. Wait, what? We left off um, uh, just a few moments ago, Pastor Phil, just talking about the fact that our society loves to keep Jesus in two places. Number one, in a manger where he's not offensive. He's cute and cuddly. He doesn't demand anything of us. Or number two, as you said, on the cross, 
where his work isn't finished. We keep him on the cross, which we're saying, nope, you're not done. You got to keep working. And that means we got to work. And so we either go one of two routes with this kind of thinking. Uh, God doesn't care, or we got to strive to please God. Yes. Both are wrong, aren't they? And, and in both positions, he has no power or authority to tell me how to live. Oh. Babies can't tell me how to live, and dead men certainly can't tell me how to live. And so he's harmless in those two. But uh, when you're sovereign, when you're powerful, when you speak to wind and wave and leprosy and demons, I'm going to do a message sometime on the theology of demons concerning Jesus. They never were wrong about him. No, they weren't. They said, we know who he is. We know who. And Jesus said, be quiet. It's not my time. Because they knew who was among them. And even the temptation of Christ, I love it in the Greek, since you are the Son of God, the if there's a matter of fact, since and you are. If you are a man, talk to me. If it's used that way, because I've never been tempted to turn rocks into bread. It's just not been, lately has not been on my top temptation list. Yeah, me neither. I've I've not been there myself. (laughs) Nor to kiss a cactus. Some things just don't appeal. You were talking uh, during the break about this hypostatic union, which is kind of what we're discussing a little bit. Elaborate on that a little bit for our listeners. It's this uh, mystery. Sometimes we... uh We've got God the Son beginning in Bethlehem, but God the Son was at creation. He was with the Father, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with the Father, and they created all that came to be. But at a point in time, God the Son and the Father agreed. The second member of the Godhead, a pure spirit being, would take to himself a human nature and limit himself in that nature that he could get tired, uh, he could become weary, he could bleed, he could weep, he could have a normal humanity with a apart from sin. And so you combine these with this one person. There's only one person, but now two natures. The divine nature that he had from eternity past. But he takes a human nature, as we see in Hebrews, that he says, I will retain this. Get this, listener. I will retain it for eternity future. My people will see the Lamb. My people will be like Thomas of old. They could put their hands in my nail scars if they want. There's a real humanity. The Gnostics in the first century said, no, he's a spirit being. Uh, He's not real flesh and bone because matter is evil. They were wrong. God said, I could take matter. I could be flesh and blood and uh, be among us. But we see in his life, there are times, you see places where they were going to kill Jesus, and it says he walks through the crowd. 
What do you mean? A mob wants to kill me and I decide to walk through them? This is the God-man. He can meet with his disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration and be transformed in front of them. And all of a sudden, Elijah and Moses are saying, here's God's son. This is what kingdom bodies are going to look like. This is what the future is going to look like. So he's this divine man. Uh, in one body, we've got the fullness of the Godhead and the fullness of deity dwelt in him in a body. That is mind-blowing. Nobody could imagine that God could be dwelling on the earth. He tabernacled among us, yes. according to John. And, and this isn't a temporary thing either. We still have a God-man in heaven. Still. This is this isn't this is becoming to what what was not became and it will never end. Never end. Uh, if I, who was it? Somebody has, had wisely said, you, you're, you're going to find only uh, five things in heaven that are man-made, and those are the scars in Christ. Oh, my. They will be there for eternity. Mm. And to co- like you said, to comprehend that is just mind-blowing. But this is what we celebrate every Christmas, isn't it? Yes, it is. That God came. God wanted to talk to us so bad that he packaged his son mm. and gave us a child and a son. And then his whole journey, he said, this son will suffer. He will learn to be obedient. He will be rejected. I said, wait, what are you trying to say, God? One thing you're saying, my audience isn't friendly, yeah. but my love is overwhelming. And so in Christmas for us, we're, we're not having to pull out anything, but God, let us adore him. Let us adore this God-given gift. What a joy it is. And it, 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 I, I told our kids uh, this last Sunday, the thing I love so much about Christmas is that it points to Easter. It, 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 it forces us, if we are serious about this celebration, it forces us to look at the cross. In fact, I, I've often thought, uh, for me anyway, the preference, if I were to take a, a picture, instead of a baby in the manger that we usually have for Christmas, you know, we've got Mary and Joseph and the, the shepherds and the wise men and the star and, and, and this little shack, and that's, that's what we think of as Christmas. I've always gravitated towards Rembrandt's painting, The Descent of the Cross where you've got Joseph of Arimathea and a couple bringing the body of Christ down off. It's dark, it's black, and there's this dead body that they're bringing off the cross. For me, I've always gravitated towards that because I, I see in that manger and I see in this birth a salvation. Because this is what God is all about. Yes. This is the heart of it, isn't it? it he's come to save. He came to save, and he, he goes on to say that he dies a death, that he tastes death for us. Uh, and then he said, but I love, he said, he started a family of brothers and sisters. When you read Psalms 22, and we commonly hear, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But when you read the rest of the psalm, by the end of it, he said, 
God did hear me from the cross. Yes. And I am going to be rejoined to my brothers, and we're going to sing a song of praise Mm -hmm. to God. Because out of what I'm doing, I'm starting a brand new family that will be Mm -hmm. worldwide. Every kindred, tribe, and tongue will get in it because of this death and this birth. And this person, the Lord Jesus Christ, friend, there is no other way you can know God except to unwrap his gift and his gift to all of us is his son. Mm. And, you know, I think I I just read a line that a man was saying, it's easy to get people to say, I believe in God or I believe in Jesus Christ. I read a a line that John Piper was saying, even the drunks in my neighborhood say they believe in God. Uh, Oh, I believe. I believe. And he said he's changed the word believe to has he become your treasure? Right. Uh, is, is he the treasure that you found in this life above all others? And this is why we treasure him. He made me a part of a divine family. And can you imagine God the Son calls you a brother? I that, and that's my I, my elder brother. That's I one am. of my favorite. <laughs> I, that is how I love identifying Christ because he is. He and is. I, and I stand amazed every time I, the, those words escape my lips. We we need to take another time out, Phil. But when we come back, I want to continue our conversation along the lines of practical application for some of this as we as we move into the holidays. How how can we take the truths and the facts of Christmas? And, and bring them to something greater in our lives. Because so, so many of us, I, I know that the holidays are also such a depressing time yeah. for so many folks. I, I want to try and change that a little bit and, and change the direction for those who struggle during the holidays. So we'll do that on the other side of this break. We'll take a quick time out and come back as our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline continues. And now, from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And we are back. It's Lifeline with uh, Pastor Phil Howard, our Truth For Today edition. Here on KFAX, every fourth Friday, we get a chance to come to you. Kind of a spiritual sorbet after Craig deals with books, politics, and everything else. Uh, we get to come in on a Friday and give you a, a, a spiritual reset. Try to were. clean up after Craig and, and bring some theology. G and Bible that makes us feel clean. (laughs) Well, the cool thing is, is on a daily basis we get to we we lead into uh, into Craig and Lifeline because Truth for Today is available here on KFAX four thirty in the afternoon Monday through Friday as well as what is it five thirty five thirty in the morning so you can start the day with us and you can begin your commute with us. You, you get it. You get it both coming and going. That's amazing. And then Sundays. Yes, exactly. 830 in the morning. So we've got you covered every which way but loose and, and three ways on Sunday. So there you go. It's truth for today. You can join us here on KFAX any time of the week. And we'd love to have you. It's always a joy to spend time in God's word with you. And that's what we try and do around here with Pastor Phil Howard. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We, we've been asked the question, uh, 
when it says, what is mankind, that you are mindful of them. And here in the studio, we're discussing among ourselves, uh, what is there about man that would draw out such a gift from God? I mean, if we, you know, that's why Genesis 1 through 3 is the seedbed of the whole Bible. It, it talks about the ruin of the race. And in essence, uh, we told God in Genesis 3, I'll decide what's right and wrong for me if it appeals to my eye. And by the way, God, we want to let you know we listen to more than one voice. You're not the only voice in this universe. There is a voice that says we will not die there's a voice that says, do whatever you feel like doing. You don't have to check in with anyone. Set your own moral boundaries. Uh, you, you can sleep with who you want. You can kill who you want. You can shoot up. You can hate. You can be a racist. You can be a chauvinist. Uh, I don't need permission to do what I want to do. And that's exactly what we said to God in Genesis 3. And God said, this will cost you paradise. I'm going to put you east of Eden. I'm going to thrust you out. And yet, in Genesis 3, he said, your only hope, your only hope is that someday a woman will bear a child that will crush the head of the deceiving liar, Satan, who's talked you out of paradise and talked you into rebelling against me. So God is not pursuing a nice race. He's pursuing a race that said, there's none righteous. None of us want God. None of us seek for God naturally. It's God in our pain, and in all of our loneliness of the heart. It's a terrible thing to be kicked out of your home and to be kicked out of Eden. And the first thing that happens after Eden is we're burying a boy. A boy is killed immediately in Genesis 4. And so the race is a wreck. We medicate it. We, ther- we give it therapy. We do one thing after another. And only a parent could know. I did everything I could, and this child still went away. This child still chose to rebel. I, I fed them. I clothed them. I loved them. With tender hands, I tucked them in at night. We have no idea what the response may be. And so God, from his word in Genesis and his word in Romans 3, the race has said, we don't want you. We won't glorify you. And yet God says, I'm going to do my greatest work in the midst of your rebellion. And his greatest work was he gave us the gift of his son. So he set the value on me. Uh, I don't mind saying, I say it to these brothers in the studio, uh, anymore as I come to God, I always say, I come with no merit before the throne. If it wasn't for being in Christ, I have no right to talk to you. I've sinned against you. 
I fall short of you. I offer no merit, but I do offer you the fact that you gave me your son and I've received him. And that's my only merit. It's the only merit any of you can have. Uh, I, I think of the old songwriter, nothing in my hand to thee I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And so Christ, you, you, you saying you believe God uh, like a tip. Oh, I believe. No, 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 no. The issue of every life and they're standing before the throne of God, he will say, what have you done with my son, Jesus? You cannot ignore him. You cannot invent other religions. You cannot make him one of many gods. What have you done with my son? That's the most important question in your life. Oh, I pray that you will receive him. To those who receive him, they get into the family of God. And for those who struggle during the holiday seasons, maybe they've lost loved ones. Maybe it's just a rough time for them. They've they've got rebellious children. They have a variety of things going on. This is this is the answer for them, isn't it? I mean, practically speaking, uh, to anybody who is struggling through the holidays, uh, we're, we're telling you the answer, aren't we? We're telling you the answer. And as we begin to look at what Christ is doing above, for those who receive Christ, you, you get someone forever. <clears throat> There's no divorce in this relationship. Uh, he is sympathizing and energizing. He's even praying for you when you're asleep. Yes. And he can fill the void of your empty heart. And thank God he started something called the church, hmm. which is a community of people who have said, we are sinners by birth. We claim no merit. We're not goody good shoes. We are just sinners who have said we need a savior. We need a friend. We need a shepherd. We've just admitted our need. I often tell people, people with advanced education, I said, they're just admitting their ignorance. It's not their brilliance. Uh, I kept in school because of my ignorance. There's so much to know that I made a stab at it just by going to school a little bit. But guess what? When you get Christ, you get the constant compassion. He says in this Hebrews passage, he had to be made like his brothers, like humanity, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. In the Old Testament, the high priest bore the sins of the people into the presence of God. And uh, Hebrews 5 said he had to make a sacrifice for himself because he was as weak as the people that he represented. And he needed atonement. But our Savior, our Jesus... He's functioning now on high like a high priest. And it says this, let me represent you to God. 
But when I represent you, I will point him to my death on the cross for you. And I can represent you, and I never lose a case. Mm. I never lose a case because I would die for mankind. And so what a gift. What a gift. And so this is our gospel. It really is. And this is our Christmas that we celebrate. And in fact, let's uh, take another time out. And on the backside of this, we can maybe address this a bit more. Uh, I know there's those thinking, well, okay, yeah, so Jesus is the answer to my depression and my frustrations over the holidays. So you're saying that if I come to Jesus, I lose all that depression. I I, I lose everything over the holiday and everything is coming up roses and everything's hunky-dory. No, it's not. But we'll talk about that. So don't don't go away because there is something in the midst of those trials and struggles that will sustain you. Uh, and, and that's what we're getting at. All right. So you hold it right there. Uh, don't go away. We'll be back as Lifeline continues with Pastor Phil Howard. And now from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And we are back. It's Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard, our Truth For Today edition here on KFAX. And we are just a couple of days away from Christmas, so that is commanding our our thoughts and our minds this evening as we come to you here on Lifeline. And just before the break, we were talking about the fact that, you know, in, in this Christmas holiday and season, there are a lot of folks who struggle with depression. They've lost this person or that person. They've gone through some serious trials and we we're talking about the fact that the greatest gift given to us is a gift that addresses all of that now that is not to say that you know accept jesus and all your troubles go away quite the opposite Uh, your troubles will probably stay maybe even some of your depression but in the midst of it there is something else that's added to it that you cannot escape nor would you want to once you understand it and uh, really what we're talking about Phil is hope aren't we hope and I love the uh, passage in Romans it says may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace as you doubt him. No, no, no. As you trust in him. The only qualifier of this whole verse to make it yours is do you trust him? Mm, There you go. Are you willing to trust him so that you may overflow with hope? I mean, you've got more than you need kind of hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I think sometimes people would think that we just put our head in the sand and uh, you deny inflation, you deny gas prices, uh, you deny that um, papers were sent you that you didn't want to sign and that uh, medical reports came back that you didn't want. Uh, Anyone... In living in reality knows that to know Christ is not to be exempt from earthly problems. As a matter of fact, over and over in the New Testament, we are people who voluntarily suffer. He talked about Epaphroditus in Philippians 2, that for your sakes, 
He worked himself to the point of dying to make up for your lack of service. Mm. He said, I'm not going to let the cause of Christ die on my duty. Uh, and men that Paul said, I suffer, uh, they, they were martyred. They, 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 so they were not exempt from suffering. They looked right at it and said, if this is what it takes to make the gospel known, we will do it. But I think of uh, recently, I buried my sister, the six of the children my folks had. And uh, as I called my brother to say, uh, uh, Ruth has died, gone to be with the Lord. Both her brothers said, oh, what mercy. Hmm. Because she was suffering from Alzheimer's. She was going down uh, fast. And for us, Christ transformed death. It it is not a dead-end street. It is not a hopeless assignment. Because Christ came, tasted of death. And one thing he did, he said, he destroyed the power of the devil to use death to torment his own children. Yeah. He took away the fear and the torment by saying, I've conquered it. I'll cover you even in death. I'll cover you in life. And so I have to say, there is no one that knows the human condition more than Jesus. Loneliness. Here's I think of the single. Hey, I, I talk to single. I want to be married. I want to. That's a good desire. Nothing against that. But here's the man, the, the God man, at the prime of life, is cut down. Never married. Never went into that aspect of life. Hey, uh, could he be a husband to you? Could he be that one that fills the emotional gap? And someday you'll get to touch a real body. It'll be not a sensual touch. It'll be the touch of a kinsman redeemer, Mm -hmm. of an older brother. And so uh, we have hope in the midst of the assignment. We do. And that hope is really a, what a wonderful present to unwrap. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I look at all we're talking about here tonight, and, and, and they are. They're like presents under the tree. Uh, each and every aspect of, of this life that God calls us to in his son are like these marvelous presents. We've got hope that uh, that doesn't disappoint us. We, we've got the love of God in Christ. We've got eternity to look forward to. And you say, Saying that, uh, Andrea, I think of uh, Old Testament religion and religion. God was always distant. God was always viewed basically as angry. Yeah. And that if you don't sacrifice something pretty quick, there'll be no crops, there'll be no fertility, there'll be no blessing. And so the gods had you by the throat. Yeah. And all of a sudden, God says, I'm going to come and live among you. And don't ever tell me I'm not approachable. I'm going to come close enough you can touch me. Matter of fact, the children were handling God. They were drawn to him like a magnet. Yeah. It tells me he wasn't deformed and ugly looking in his countenance. 
Isaiah's description was a cross description. Yes. He was not a scary looking being. Wow. And the children said, we want to get to Jesus. Hmm. And that, again, and you saying that, I'm drawn back once again to the fact that this baby in a manger, he starts as a baby and lives the life you and I have lived, understanding every aspect of our lives. So, again, for parents tonight, take heart and be encouraged. The God of this universe knows what you went through as a child and what your children are going through now, because I, I as a as a 63-year-old man, I've forgotten a lot of my experiences as a child, and I think most of us would be honest with that. But the fact is, Jesus hasn't. No. He hasn't. No. And, and, and his tenderness towards children is just as tender towards you as well. Well, and here you have the verse, and it says, He is able to help those who are being tempted. Yes. And the word there means he's able to run to the cry for help. And the thing with all of us, pride, maybe fear, maybe uh our trust has been broken in the past. We've not been treated right by those who are over us. Here he's saying, uh, you know what? I'm able to run to whatever crisis you're in. I'm bigger than addiction. I'm bigger than loneliness. I'm bigger than relationships. Matter of fact, just think of it. Think of how many people were orphaned yeah. or uh Loss in war. I, I think of what our dear Jewish people went through in the Holocaust and World War II, and how many of them just to be adopted in this country, and it began all over, where I won't be killed because of my ethnicity. Yeah. And God says, I'm going to put you in a family where deity will never do anything but help you. I'm not against you. But all these false images, oh, there's so much killing in the Old Testament. Well, there's so many sinners in the Old Testament. <laughs> Nothing's and sinners changed. know how to kill each other. Yes, they do. It is a, a, an amazing thought to consider as we celebrate Christmas, uh, just exactly what we have been given in Christ. We, Again, as we mentioned earlier in the program, it's... Uh, it's so easy to leave the baby in the manger mm. and just keep him there all year long. And we, we reflect on him one time uh, out of the year, and, and then we move on. And oh, all of a sudden, he's on the cross, and, and there's an empty tomb. Great. And we move on about our lives. Uh, it's our prayer tonight as we continue discussing what we have in the birth of Christ. Uh, that you come away with this clear understanding that the God of this universe deeply loves you, hmm. that he would go to such lengths to show that love oh. and to express that love to you and I. And you know what's amazing uh, is that we get Malachi ending the Old Testament scriptures. And then what happens? 400 years of silence. Yeah. No prophets on duty. No scriptures being written. Uh, Israel in dysphoria. 
Israel going to be invaded by the Roman armies. That weren't good to them. And God breaks the silence by a baby's cry. Yes. The silence is broken right there in Bethlehem. Said, whether you know it or not, God's talking again. And in these last days, he's chosen to talk through a son. Yes. Well, and that is what we're discussing here tonight on Lifeline. We've got to take another time out. We'll come back and continue our conversation at hour number two as Lifeline continues. Don't go away. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 